Zakempe dishes in front, another sliding head saved by Flurry, this time to his right. Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here is a left wing opportunity, Lizana sliding, head save, Robin Leonard, what a stop. From the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number two on a Thursday. Ryan Wallace, Dan Duva, Chris Chapman all coming at you on the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. And we welcome to the program right now Ryan Clark, the beat writer for the Seattle Kraken with The Athletic. And, you know, Ryan, first and foremost, thanks for doing this. I know you've been really, really slammed all week. But the, the main question I have for you, what was it like for you last night? Uh, work? I mean, not trying to be funny. That's really kind of it. It's just you're looking at an event like that, and you're, you're trying to really, I think, get a handle on three different themes running at, at once. The first is, it's how did people feel about all the information that was getting out before the draft? Did that sour the experience? Were they able to turn it off? I mean, the fact you had 5,000 people there showed that there's clearly an interest regardless of information being out there or not. The second being, this was really the first public introduction this city's had to the Kraken because the logo and name reveal, it was all done by Zoom. And in the story we have in The Athletic today, um, there is a Vegas fan I spoke with actually who was like, yeah, when we had the unveiling at Toshiba Plaza, like if there was 4,000 people and it was something that this city could just feel the entire time, whereas here it's just been distanced by comparison. And the third being, like, how does it feel to be a player to get this situation? If you're Chris Dreger, um, it's an opportunity for you to go set your own path in a place where there isn't a pre-established number one or highest paid goaltender. If you're Jordan Everly, you're you're leaving a place where you, you, you've gained some comfort, but now you're going to a spot where your contributions are going to be even more massive. And if you're Mark Giordano, like you're leaving the agent, you're, me, you're leaving the, the, the organization that took a chance on you as an undrafted free agent, saw you become a captain and face with the franchise and a Norris Trophy winner, and now you're going somewhere completely new. So that would probably be the best answer. Well, that just about covers it. Ryan, it's Dan Duva, the play-by-play guy here. A, a pleasure to make your acquaintance, and I'm I, 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 like Ryan, very eager to ask you about the Kraken and how things are coming together here. But, but first, I think our listeners here in Vegas would, um, so many uh, have followed not only the Golden Knights here, but the Pacific Division. And because they are avid readers, I'm sure they'll be reading a lot. I've enjoyed your work. Would you share with our, our listeners today sort of your background and, and how it has been that you've gotten uh, to cover the Kraken? Uh, well, for one, that's extremely kind of you to say. Um, second, yeah, uh God, I don't, I don't know. I'm a really boring person. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what do you, I guess like what do you want to know? I mean, yeah, this is what I've wanted to do since I was like 10 or 12 years old and went to school for it and then I've lived in Indiana, Texas, North Dakota, Michigan, South Florida, North Florida, Seattle, Denver, back to Seattle and make this happen and the athletics just they approached me and said, hey, we know that you have ties to Seattle. You covered the Washington Huskies. You're covering the Avalanche now. 
how would you feel about moving back to Seattle where you're a national writer and you cover the Kraken? And like, sure, yeah, why not? Live in Seattle, cover a new team, and be a national writer. How do you really say no to that? So, again, it's a really boring story. So I apologize if people have fallen asleep listening to Vegas airwaves of some no, Seattle talk. It, it's, it's either that, Ryan, or, or it's uh, I, I talk more about Springsteen, which our listeners don't need to hear any more of. But I, I find it interesting because, you know, we here in the, the sports media world and the hockey broadcasting and writing world, we, we, we so much consume what each other are doing. So I, I find it interesting, and I tend to think the folks listening to us right now, are um, they're interested in, in what uh, stories you're telling. Uh, and I, 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 that's sort of my next question is, in covering this team, where there's so much going on, right? Like Vegas went through this a few years ago. Uh, I'm not interested in so much in the expectations at the moment, but w- what is a story that has um, resonated with you, uh, hockey-related, non-hockey-related, in since you've jumped on this beat with the Kraken? It's hard to say if there's really just one, because this is a team that, they're so multifaceted with everything they do. So if you want to look at it from a pure roster construction standpoint, it's what did Ron Francis learn in Carolina that could allow him to have success here with how he manages money, how they draft. Because when he was in Carolina, 27 of their 33 draft picks are currently either with the Hurricanes organization or they've signed with another NHL organization. And that's the kind of success rate a lot of franchises would covet. The other part of it would be really how that organization functions because everything they do, they're doing from scratch. And that's something that if you're the Golden Knights, you can understand better than anyone. So when you're the pre-existing organization, you have scouting logs and databases. You have a training facility. You've had equipment managers who've already ordered equipment. Whereas if when you're starting from scratch, all these things are things that you now have to do on your own. And... There could be challenges that come with it. And then probably the third part is just sort of how this organization has functioned because people who've been paying attention to the crack and know that this is an organization that's really open with talking about things like diversity and, and gender and LGBTQIA and mental health. And, you know, those are areas where you may not necessarily see teams wade into. But, you know, there are real conversations that happen within that organization, like about these things and, it's just, it's been interesting because, again, it's so multifaceted to where, like, you really can kind of get anything, whether it's sort of how the sausage is made when it comes to the team itself, uh, whether it is how does this organization get built from the ground up from all these different aspects from, like, game presentation, equipment, you name it, to just sort of why are they going out of their way to talk about these issues when people could just say, you're a sports team, who cares? But for them, they look at it as if we're going to be in Seattle, we really have to be representative of Seattle. So, yeah, I would probably say those three things. Mm, interesting. Ryan Clark with The Athletic is joining us here, does a great job covering the Seattle Kraken. And, and you know, I, I think the interesting thing for me is the expansion draft feels like the culmination of something, right? You You have the players, you have a team, it's tangible, it's in front of you, but really – it's just the beginning. It's just the start. What comes next for the Seattle Kraken? Well, really, it's about filling out this roster because people have commented. You look at the return, and when you think about the bigger names that were out there, okay, why does this roster look the way it is? And then when you look and see that this is a roster 
that after today's trade of, of Hitlick, it's now a roster that has a little more than $30 million available in cap safe. It's 30.7. And that's a lot of money, and it's a lot of, of damage you can do with that sort of money. And when you look at areas where they're probably going to use that money, Ford looks like the likely contender, because right now we have a depth chart up on the athletic just kind of examining, hey, what do things look like with this team? And when you take Tyler Pitlick's name off that board, you don't have a fourth line right now. Like, and that's not a joke. Like, seriously, you only have a fourth line center of what their roster players would be. Like, so again, finding forwards looks like it's going to be the priority, and they're going to have a lot of money to make that happen. You know, I, you you uh, have the the line that started one of your stories here, Ryan, which is weaponizing cap space. And we've heard that here in Las Vegas, you want to use every dime. Um, that you can, whether it be for contracts or other teams, um, you know, large contracts and eating those, et cetera. How has Seattle approached that? You touched on it there a moment ago, but how do you see that unfolding in terms of weaponizing that, at the moment, very large amount of cap space? Well, I'll tell you, let's give two examples, pre-draft, post-draft. So pre-draft, when there was the conversation about you take someone like Kerry Price, yes, there's a lot of boxes Kerry Price checks. You also have to weigh the economic component of it because he costs $10.5 million. He's 33 going on 34. His contract would end 38 going on 39. You look at the NHL this year, there are only two goaltenders who are 38 and older who started in 20 or at least 20 of the 56 games this season. That was Pekka Rene, who went 10, 12, and 2. And then the other was Mike Smith, who won 21 games. And when you have that wide of a goal and you don't know what is going to happen with him health-wise, it raises a lot of questions. So instead, you decide to go with Chris Dreger and Vitek Vanacek, and instead of spending at least 10 and a half on price and another 3 and a half on Dreger, you spend a combined $4.26 million on Dreger and Vanacek. So that's one example of how you weaponize your cap space is making conscious financial decisions. When you look at post-expansion draft, the Kraken are in a situation where now they are in position to say if they want to take on a contract, they can do it. If they want to get into free agency and try to go at people that way, they can. They can look at everybody's cap struggles and say, hey, we've noticed you have an issue. We can solve that issue for this price. And it's something that we've seen before. It's just now they have a culmination of all those things And then not only with that cap space can they do those things, but another way they can weaponize it is what they do tomorrow night at the draft. So they're going to have the number two pick. There's different options. And let's say for the sake of this discussion, it's Matthew Veneers, the center at the University of Michigan, who some people feel is the best prospect after Owen Power. And some evaluators have even said on to to some of our people at the Athletic, like Sinai Sapergi, that they think Veneers is in that discussion. If Veneers can be pro-ready, which maybe he is or maybe he isn't, and you sign him to an ELC, and let's say realistically he's a top-nine forward, you have a top-nine forward on an ELC, which means for at least three years you could go spend money elsewhere while you're letting this player, again, if you can make it out of camp and they sign him, you're letting this player get valuable minutes, and it's not costing you anything. You know, when I look at this roster and – you know, obviously, some of the deals that were made yesterday, the the Alexia 
extension, the Larson extension. I have to wonder, is Vince Dunn not like that the next shoe to drop for the Seattle Kraken in terms of negotiating that contract? And, and what direction does Ron Francis want to go with that contract? Well, you know, it's interesting because Dunn said to our Jeremy Rutherford today that when it comes to his future, he understands that there's several moving parts because he is an RFA. But when you look at the Kraken and how they're set up defensively, they have seven defensemen under contract, three who are restricted free agents. And when you look at how everything could shake out, Vince Dunn looks like he is going to be a top-four option on this team, someone that you would think would probably be responsible for running the first-team power play, assuming this defense does not change. But as for whether or not he stays, the thought looks like he would stay, but also this goes back to weaponizing your cap space. The Kraken are in a position with their defensemen that they could make some moves with, with certain players, and from those moves could come the opportunity to either free up more cap space or, better yet, maybe you pick up assets. So let's just say for the point of this discussion, the top four defensive pairings for the Kraken are going to be some combination of Mark Giordano, Vince Dunn, Jamie Alexiak, and Adam Larson. Okay, fine. So you look at who that third pairing could be. Is it Carson Soucy? Is it Hayden Fleury? Is it Jeremy Lazan? All three are players that you can utilize on the PK. All three are players who know how to operate in a top six role. But which one makes sense to hold on to? Which one makes sense to, to depart from? And if you look at Carson Soucy, he has two years left at $2.75 million. It may not sound like a lot of money, but as everybody's learning in this flat cap environment, 2.75 could take you a long way. And not only that, but here's the thing. You also have these other questions about what do you do with Dennis Chalowski, who's a former first-round pick and an RFA? What do you do in the sense of that? You have Curtis McDermott, who maybe he's your seventh defenseman at $875,000, and that doesn't even include William Borgen, who people in Buffalo thought could have a promising future. He was the star at St. Cloud State, went through some injury trouble this year, but he gives them another right-handed shot defenseman. And the fact that they have all these options, again, is another way you talk about weaponizing your cap space. Because while you've invested money in players like Larson and Alexiak, and there was money you took on in the form of Giordano, in the form of Susie, you can move Susie and recoup that money. Giordano, that money comes off the books at the end of next year. So again, while you have strength and stability in some areas with this defense, you also have a fluidity as well that really allows you to do a multitude of things. Ryan, when the Golden Knights had the expansion draft four years ago and Marc-Andre Fleury was trotted out as the first Golden Knight chosen, everybody knew he was going to be the face of the franchise, and his performance has clearly lived up to that expectation. Who do you think will be the face of the Kraken going into year one? If you want to base it off this current roster, it seems like it could be one of three people. I mean, Chris Dreger could be an option. Mark Giordano appears to be an option, and so does Jordan Eberle. I mean, all three were on stage yesterday. They were three people that sort of talked about what this opportunity meant, the city, just everything that sort of came together. They're also three of the more well-known names, but again, that's the thing about between now and when the season starts is who knows who they're going to add and pick up, and maybe that's different. And so, again, let's go back to the draft, and let's say that they do take Matthew Verniers and he ends up being the sort of player who they feel can contribute right away. What's stopping him from possibly filling that role? And that's just the thing. is It's natural because of the recency 
for people to compare Seattle to Vegas, but they're such different situations. With Vegas, you had side deals. You had general managers that were trying to find the best leverage, but in some way over-leveraged themselves, whereas with this expansion draft, you had general managers who said they weren't going to play that game, but they knew because of the flat cap there might be some circumstances that they had to change in order to make their roster feel set. And so while you had these bigger names, and as people have said, it felt like to them the Kraken had more of these star-studded names that were available compared to what the Golden Knights had, the Kraken took the path of saying, let's try to use our money as widely as we can to build a team. Whereas if with Vegas, it was very much this, we're going to win right away. With the Kraken, they feel they can win right away, but they feel like they want to be able to be sustainable. And as you all have seen in Vegas, like there's something to be said about the future because for as strong as that organization has been with all the moves it's done in the current, you think about that first draft. Cody Glass is gone. Nick Suzuki's gone. Eric Brandstrom is gone. Now those are all players that have brought back some significant returns. And when you look at Nolan Patrick, maybe he is that young future face that kind of keeps this thing going. And same thing with Alex Tuck. And again, let's not make it seem like the Golden Knights don't have young pieces. They definitely do. But when you think about some of the players that they've had to go get that weren't drafted from within, like a White Cloud, like a Keegan Colasar, you're not going to be able to do that every single time. There's going to come a point where how you draft, who you draft, and the value you can get, that's going to be the difference because there's not always going to be those possibilities where you can say you're in position to spend $8 million to land someone like an Alex Petrangelo. You know, Ryan, it's interesting because you bring up all, all, that there's a lot oh, of similarities. Oh, and Zach Whitecloud. Zach Whitecloud's another one. So, like, that's just yeah. it. Is that he, his name definitely deserves to be mentioned. But, like, that's just it. And I'll excuse me quiet. But, like, that's, I think, the thing. Like, when you look at the Golden Knights, is like they have found success in that area. But, like, there are some organizations. Like, when I covered the Avalanche, you look at them. Yes, they hit on McKinnon, Landeskog, Ranton, and Hale McCarr. But there is a point in time where beyond the first round, they really, really struggle. So, again, it's just it's about how do you manage it all. I'm so sorry, but I just wanted to throw out Zach Whitecloud because how could you not? Yeah, no, no worries on that. Uh, big Zach Whitecloud appreciation uh, show here. But, it, like, I, I got to ask you just in terms of – pointing out some of the differences between the Vegas Golden Knights expansion and the Seattle Kraken's expansion. Uh, I know that the expectations for Seattle are going to be through the roof because of what Vegas was able to accomplish year one and beyond. The question I have for you is, is that fair? You know, it's hard to say because everybody's going to look at things differently. And the reality is they are completely different situations. And it goes back to the reasons we mentioned about things like the flat cap or how in Vegas' situation the expansion draft had changed. You, you talked to a lot of the people who'd been involved in previous expansion drafts with those teams like San Jose and Columbus, and like, they will sit there and tell you. The NHL learned if someone gives you $650 million, it's probably a good idea for them to not be <laughs> bad out of the gate. And with Vegas and with what you saw – It'd been a while since the expansion draft, but you saw them be able to take advantage of the fact that they were able to be aggressive in a way and play off the fact that executives second-guessed themselves. With Seattle, so far, we haven't seen the side deals. Maybe that comes tomorrow. Maybe it comes later down the road. Who's to say? But at the same time, it's, an, it's a different experience. But the thought is this. like 
the Golden Knights have laid a path that if you are the Kraken, the expectation is can you win right away? Maybe not get to the Cup Final in year one, but in terms of can you be a competitive team, the thought is, yeah, they could. And when you have, again, a little more than $30 million available in cap space, it, it, it seems like you're in a position to do that, knowing that you could even add more to that figure over time. Last one from me, Ryan, is bigger picture. You guys are good. Ask as many as you want. <laughs> uh, bigger picture, and you know how much the, the fans in Las Vegas have supported the Golden Knights, so much so that they travel. Uh, just even in this past season when not too many fans were allowed in opposing venues, we saw the folks who throw the Flamingo on the ice, the Victory Flamingo, in St. Louis in March. You know, uh, I, I'm curious about – what you would tell a visiting fan, and I know there haven't been any games yet, and it's a new arena, a uh, renovated arena drastically, what a, a fan visiting Seattle for the first time? And of course, the Kraken, but there's so much sports there. What would you tell a fan coming to Seattle? That We know the two games for Vegas in Seattle, March 30th and April 1st. What would you say to fans who might be coming your way for uh, some hockey against the Kraken? Value your hearing because Seattle is notorious for being loud. Husky Stadium, where the University of Washington plays, the first game I covered there, it was against UCLA. And it wasn't even full. And it was the loudest environment I'd been in. And prior to that, I'd covered Florida State. So I'd been in ACC and SEC stadiums. And people are like, if you think this is loud, wait till they play Washington State. Wait till they play Oregon. Then you'll hear loud. You look at the Seahawks, and it's interesting. Seismologists at the University of Washington did a study looking at how much the ground shakes at what is now Lumen Field during a Seahawks game. (laughs) And when Marshawn Lynch had his famous beast mode run, they were saying that it was like the equivalent between a one or a two on a Richter scale. It was a low win, but that was the impact. Um, And when you look at how people feel about the Mariners here, how they feel about the Sounders, how they feel about the storm and the rain. This is a city that supports everything to the nth degree. And something we've heard so much about Climate Pledge is this. Yes, you saved the roof from the old key arena, but Oakview Group, which is the ownership group for this team, this is a group that deals with concerts. They deal with live entertainment, and they are extremely open about the fact that they have made the acoustics of that building one where sound is going to sound well, it's going to be strong. And when you think about how people are in this city when it comes to teams, it is going to get loud. There is a reason you see 12 flags everywhere. There is a reason why people felt as passionate as they do. That's great. Just make hey, sure they got a good position for the play-by-play announcers, okay? <laughs> uh, you know, I will see what I can do. I don't great. have control over that, but I will say this. <laughs> It's going to be interesting to see how the arena environments work because, like, you look at who some of the people in Seattle are. They were people who used to be in Vegas. And when everybody talks about Vegas, people are like, what's Vegas like? It's here. They're curious. And it's like, yo, Vegas is a rave. And then you're like, there's a hockey game? Because it's like Vegas just takes it super seriously. Because, like, you go to some arenas and, like, you'll hear, like, pop and this and that. And there's... You know, again, it's just kind of like, okay, cool. This is what you expect. You go to Vegas, like you're hearing like stuff you'd hear in a club, like the building shaking. You've got like these like vibrant colors. Like you've got, <laughs> and sorry for, for being this colloquial with the language, 
But, like, when you got a homeboy standing there being like, I'm going to convert you from being a fan <laughs> of X team to a Golden Knight, it's just like, yeah. man, they really made a religious experience at a hockey game. And then yeah. when you got dudes fighting each other on the ice, it's just like, you know this is a city that does entertainment, but just how the hell do you top that? So, like, that's what you tell people here is just kind of like everyone does things differently, but, like, when you go to Vegas, yeah, you think, oh, it's Vegas, it's the show. Like, it's a show, and people there are really proud of it, and, like, they they take it seriously. Like, it, it, it again, it just it gets loud there, too. So what they do in Seattle to make it unique to the city is going to be interesting because when you look at what they've done with the Golden Knights, like, I mean – it's about as unique to Vegas as it can get. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point, Ryan. And, you know, I, I know that you've had a, a busy week. I remember covering expansion in Vegas when it happened. It seemed like it was just one thing after another. Uh, you've done a great job all week long. I, I appreciate you jumping on the program and giving us um, a, more of your time than you agreed to. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And just real quick, where can people find your stuff? Um, well, I guess when they're, you know, not reading Jesse Granger, which, man, <laughs> isn't that dude, like, that dude is always busy. Every time you turn around, it's like, hi, kids, I'm Jesse Granger. I'm like Troy McClure, but with a better beard. Um, and considering he's not here to defend himself, that makes it even better. Um, so, yeah, no, go to, go to The Athletic and go to the Kraken page, and uh, you will find a lot of what I write, if not there, then on the national page. So I guess that's the best way to find it if you want to read, which if you don't want to, I totally understand. It would probably be the best thing for your health. Thanks, Ryan. It's uh, very much looking forward to seeing you October 12th. You got it, guys. Take care. That is Ryan Clark with The Athletic. He covers the Seattle Kraken. And you know what? That was just really fun because I, I remember expansion from my perspective, from my point of view. And, and Dan, I've, I've said this many times. It was a blur. There were certain hmm. things that I remember. There are certain things that I can't remember for the life of me. And then there are others that are going to be memorable for the rest of my life. Uh, but it, it's always nice to kind of get back into that headspace and try to, 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 to put myself back where I was in 2017 as the Golden Knights were going through their expansion process. And there was no reference point. There hadn't been an no. expansion that way. There hadn't been expansion, period, in at that point, what was it, 17, 18 years? And the way it was done, of course, was very different. So you were figuring out how it was happening while it was happening, this time around, basically the same way that it happened with Vegas, except all the other teams figured everything out. <laughs> so there were not all these uh, sidebar trades and moves and deals that brought in different players and salary cap choices and all that sort of stuff. And uh, that makes me wonder, Ryan, yeah, the, the NHL teams learned their lesson. But mm -hmm. I think I, I, I'm still wondering how Ron Francis and company might find a different way of negotiating through all of this. In other words, they didn't have a huge splash with the expansion draft. I think that that's fair to say. But uh, we talked about the huge amount of cap space they have. They've got the regular NHL draft and then the free agency itself. I, I wonder if there is more drama, more excitement coming from the Kraken in days and weeks to come. In other words, that maybe he figure that, well, th th what Vegas did can't be duplicated. I've got to find another way of making a splash, and he's just going about it 
uh, in a way that we haven't figured out yet. And maybe he has because he's had more time. That's the other thing where, you know, they've had four years. And, and while other teams have figured it out, maybe have prepared for this. And Ron Francis has said as much. I, I Ron's a very smart guy. We're, I, I wonder if there's another shoe to drop someplace where he's kind of figured out another way of making a splash for his club before we get to October 12th. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you, Dan. I feel like there's still more to come, and there's still something that's going to knock our socks off coming from the Seattle Kraken and GM Ron Francis. Now, I teased it in hour number one. We're going to get to it on the other side of the break. If you are a Kraken fan, which name? Who do you put on the back of your first jersey? We're going to get to that as well as other one-timers around the league on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Interact with the guys on Twitter. Follow them at Darren Millard and at Ryan the Hockey Guy. This is the BGK Insider Show. Golden Knights Insider Show. Fox Sports Las Vegas. <laughs> Tunnel of Love, 1987. Great record. I saw in a recent ranking of Springsteen albums, Tunnel of Love is number one, which is just wrong. But it is an underrated <laughs> album, I think. What say you, Ryan Wallace? I, I, do you even I, know you, what other songs are on Tunnel of Love? Chapman, help out. Uh, I have to I, think. I do not. I, no, no, listen. I, I don't. But I'll tell you, Dan, Like the fact that you've got so much conviction right there where you say it's wrong and it's so matter-of-fact and – and there's not like a tinge of sarcasm there. I appreciate it, and I'm 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 here for it. I'm telling now, you right now. I mean, I'm if you were to poll like you know a, a thousand Springsteen fans, I, I, maybe one or two might say "Tunnel of Love" is the best. Like "Born to Run" is renowned as like one of the top ten rock records of all time. So if it's one of those, like it's got to be Bruce's best record, right? Anyway, was brilliant, brilliant disguise <laughs> was on "Tunnel of Love," right? Uh, brilliant disguise was. Uh, was also on there. Yeah, uh, I, good. I, good. That was a good song. I uh, like tougher than the rest. Opens up with "Ain't Got You." Walk like a man is on that one. Uh, yeah, a brilliant disguise. The uh, the great thing about that song, I think, Chris, this is a unique music video. The entire music video is one shot, uncut. It's Bruce. It's black and white. It's Bruce sitting at like a kitchen table with a guitar on his knee. And the camera slowly zooms in. The entire song. There's no second angle. There's no reverse view. It's one camera shot with the slow zoom getting tighter and tighter on Bruce. The whole song. You can look it up on Google. It's like the uh, Bruce Springsteen version of the movie 1917 is what you're saying. That, that That's a fair comparison. Which was a phenomenal you movie, know, by the way. Before we, before we get into... Uh, putting a bow on the Seattle Kraken expansion draft. I do kind of want to lead into it by asking you this question. Dan, if you could only listen to one Springsteen song for the rest of your life, you only get one, which is it? One song? Could you give me one album or something? One song? Even uh, as great as Bruce Springsteen is, like one song on repeat forever like that would get annoying. Okay, uh, okay, that's fine. I'll open, <laughs> I'll open it up to an album. I will open it All up right. to one album and one album only. 
Right. I, I, to answer your question, I, I'd have to say that, like, the, I don't want to totally dodge your question. It's just a tough one. I I would say, like, <laughs> Rosalita is a long song. So, like, that's a class. Everybody likes Rosalita. It's fun. You can dance to it. That that would be the song. Album, uh, you know, I just said Born to Run is one of the best albums of all time, regardless of artist. But, uh, you know, I, I am a big fan of Darkness on the Edge of Town, which came about three years after Born to Run. And uh, I, I'd have to go Darkness on the Edge of Town. If you had... To pick one song um, that I that I I would call my favorite, I like to um, say something in the night, which is on that record, "Darkness on the Edge of Town," nineteen seventy-eight. There you go. Well, there you go. I, that's, <laughs> I, I will Chapman, check anything? That out. Any follow-ups? I, I, no. I, I will. I will add that I'm a big fan of "Greetings from Asbury Park." Yeah, sure. Because it has my favorite Springsteen song, which is "Spirits in the Night." There you go. Great. Love it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why I never got into Springsteen. It's weird. I, I don't you're get it. missing out. But, that's yeah. all he can say. I, well, but you did get into the Aquabats, so that's kind of cool. Listen, here, <laughs> I think that I've got some homework to do over the course of the offseason yeah, just to got, get myself There's a large catalog to go through, yeah. Springsteen shape. But, Dan, oh, he's got a ton. It, it, leads to, it leads to a bigger question, okay. and it kind of leads into to the Seattle Kraken and putting a bow on the expansion draft, putting a bow on where the Seattle Kraken are right now with their players within the organization. And the question is, and you brought this up to my attention, I thought it was a fantastic question, something we should discuss on the show. If you are a fan of the Seattle Kraken and you're looking at the roster, you're looking at who they've got in their pipeline, which player are you putting on the back of your jersey? If you've got to get a jersey, you want to get a jersey, which player are you putting on the back of that jersey? I should preface this by saying that when I was younger and I would get myself a jersey of, you know, my favorite team, whether it was, you know, uh, baseball or football or whatever, I, I, I found that as soon as I get a jersey with a name and number on the back, that player would get traded or get hurt <laughs> or something something bad. Uh, I did finally land on a Scott Stevens jersey at some point, and that one turned out pretty well as a kid growing up in Jersey. Mm-hmm. So part of me looked at, uh, in answering this question, Ryan, was whose contract has got, you know, a few years on it, right? Like, who's likely to be there in a couple of years so I can get some mileage out of this jersey? And what kind of player is it? You know, there, there's this superstar kind of player, but I also like the the kind of player who, who really works hard, might not be the superstar, but just the energy and the personality and that sort of stuff. And then I also factored into just some of the personal stuff. I, The player who I have chosen is somebody who I, I know a little bit. And so I have chosen Yanni Gord. Yanni mm-hmm. Gord, who is under contract through 2025. Um, he's 29 years old right now. And uh, at least on Ryan Clark's lineup, he had Yanni Gord as the top-line center. Plus, he's just won two Stanley Cups and was a big part of each of those teams and I got to know him in the minors and he's great story and and uh, his wife's family makes maple syrup up in Quebec so all those reasons combined I've gone with Yanni Gord what about you Chapman well my reason is obviously not as personal as Dan's but uh, (laughs) I, I guess maybe in a way it is maybe it is a little personal because I would go with Mason Appleton uh, I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I am a big fan of rum, especially Jamaican rum. Wow. Appleton Estates is synonymous with making great Jamaican rum. In fact, I went when I was in Jamaica, I went to their their little tour that they had, had a nice big bottle that I brought back to the States with me. 
Mason Appleton for the reason that I have a love affair with Appleton Estates rum, and it f- kind of fits. So, I assume Mason Appleton is not connected with said rum. I I don't know. I mean, who I mean, knows? he's from Wisconsin, is he not? I believe so. Well, <laughs> not maybe, Jamaica. Okay. There, I don't believe there's an Appleton cheese, but I could be wrong on that, right? All but, right. Uh, <laughs> oh, so good thinking. Good I'm, thinking. A, I'm a big cheese guy too. So okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so why not? Plus, that could he's, be. Plus I'm going to look into that. He's a Yank, so I, got, got to support the Yanks. I, I got to say, though, in in choosing Mason Appleton, and this is going to go back to earlier on in the week when we did our mock draft of the Seattle Kraken, uh, who did you select from the Winnipeg Jets? Chapman? I took Dylan DeMello. Yeah, okay. That's, I, w- I was you, trying you to approach it. Immediately, not you are all, not allowed to take a player that you passed on <laughs> I, in the I was draft. trying to fair. make it realistic. Plus, I, I, okay. I kind of wanted to see Mason Appleton stay with the Jets, but... Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I took Dylan DeMello because I really figured they were going to have a they were going to draft a, a premium of defensemen, and they did. Just sure. not one that I thought they were going to take. So I've approached this idea, this this thought about who I'd put on the back of my jersey from a number of different angles, and and for me, like I think Yanni Gord has the potential to be just the best player. Um, the, the one that's going to step into a role and become an instantaneous fan favorite. He plays the game hard. He's won two Stanley Cups. Everything that you said, Dan, I agree with 100%. But I'm not sure that I'm going to go with Yanni Gord. I think the safer bet for me is going to be on the guy that I think stole the show yesterday when he was announced, when he came out on stage, when he had his moment to speak to the Seattle Kraken fans. Jamie Alexiak is a monster human. And on top of that, he's got a great hockey smile, and he just seemed really in, to, to really enjoy himself. He was going with the times, and he's under contract through 2026. For me, if I'm looking at it from that perspective, I want longevity in a jersey, and I want a player that I think is going to age gracefully into that contract. I like Jamie Alexiak a lot. I, I think that that's a jersey you could really, really enjoy and get behind for a long time. And he's, you know, starting with uh, with Dallas and then to Pittsburgh. I mean, he's, you know, he's been around. You know, like that. He's yeah. a guy who's been an imprint on the National Hockey League for a long time. So there, I think, would be some more name recognition with Alexiak, perhaps, than yeah. some of the other guys who still could be stars. But I, I think that. A lot of people bought into Mark Andre Fleury not only because he's a great goalie, but he's been around a while, right? He like he's a name yeah. that people like. If you were walking down the street with a Fleury jersey, even if you didn't know anybody else on the Golden Knights, you'd recognize. It. And Alexiak um, might be something similar there in Seattle because he's been around as long as he has. And then honorable mention here for me is Vince Dunn because once mm. I understand what a contract looks like and whether right. or not Vince yeah. Dunn is going to be a part of the future for Seattle or used to to find another player that comes in, that remains to be seen. I personally think you build around Vince Dunn. I, I love the defenseman. So if Vince Dunn is under contract for a while, maybe that changes my mind a little bit. And then the the last version that I thought of was I'm just going to put Fleur on the back and I'm not going to give a number out just yet and then whichever <laughs> of the brothers is is the one that has the most that makes the most sense or has the most impact I'll go with either Kale or Hayden there you go okay I like that now here's the other thing not that we would know who but what's the likelihood that come October 12th when they're playing the Golden Knights the player who turns out to be the guy whose jersey we'd want ends up on the team by then but is not currently on the team 
Yeah, that's. I mean, that's an interesting one. I, you know, when you look at kind of players that that are are going to be up and coming, or players that, you know, you look at through the draft, or or really how you're building your team through the minors and and up into the NHL level. Um, you're at, you bring up a really interesting point because I think there's a lot of names that even right now kind of fit that mold. Morgan Geeky to me is a kid that that gives everything he has every single time he plays in the NHL at the NHL level. So I could see that player becoming a fan favorite and a lot of Morgan Geeky jerseys getting yeah. into rotation with Seattle. Maybe yeah. Marshawn Lynch unintentionally mm. made a very popular player with his boy Callie. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly Arncroke. That's yeah. Just, Kelly Arncroke. Yeah, maybe they could spell it phonetically on the back of your jersey. I like. Something. I like that. That's, <laughs> well, that's speaking of which, I, I still recall back in the very first Golden Knights preseason game in Vancouver. Now remember that a good chunk of what would turn out to be the regular players were not in the lineup that day. The pregame interview uh, on the Golden Knights radio network was one Clayton Stoner. And I think there are still a lot of Clayton Stoner jerseys around, but not because they were supporting number four in the Golden Knights <laughs> that particular night, because it was his final time wearing a Golden Knights uniform. He actually was part of the organization for a little while, no longer, but uh, he did a great job of the interview that day. Uh, just too many injuries, and, and that caught up with him, the former Anaheim Duck. But Clayton Stoner, there's your trivia question. Uh, Clayton Stoner, and, and a lot of Clayton Stoner jerseys, perhaps paying tribute to he being the first guest on golden knights radio network pregame show that's 100 percent what it is uh, a little bit of trivia it's a little uh, bit of trivia and now we're going to a giveaway we've got two tickets to battle for vegas courtesy of vegas's fastest growing luxury brand finley volvo las vegas if you want to see team riley smith take on team marcus allen on saturday july 24th be caller number six 702-876-1340 is the number. Caller number six. You've won a pair of tickets to Battle for Vegas Saturday, courtesy of Finley Volvo. We're back to wrap it up. Catching up with Chapman is next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Wrapping it up here, Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Catching up with Chapman. It's everyone's favorite segment. Before we get to it, though, I do want to make one note here. Dan, it was fantastic. It was a pleasure having you join us here as our co-host. It was really, really awesome catching up with you. Thanks for sitting in. That's great. Uh, It's great to be back and looking forward to the draft coverage the next couple of days. And before you know it, we'll be talking Golden Knights cracking October 12th. All right, Chapman, what do you got? All right, well, in just a few hours, the opening ceremonies to the Tokyo Olympics will take place. Obviously, here we'll have to wait 24 hours, watch it on tape delay or whatever. But I just hope the games go off without any issue and all the athletes stay safe and healthy. Hasn't started out that way, but let's hope it will get a little bit better as we move forward and the games can take place without any major disruption. Do you think Millard has had a egg salad sandwich yet? No, no, I don't. I do not. And I'm going to be very angry at him when he gets back if he doesn't try it. What are you going to do to him? Won't turn his mic on for a day. There it is. Thanks to Dan Duva. Thanks to you for listening. We've got a draft special coming up tomorrow right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> 